0: Hey everybody, it's Brady. just wanted to apologize real quick for the sound quality of the episode this week. We had a few last-minute technical difficulties, and uh, this is kind of the best we could salvage, so we hope you enjoyed, anyways.
1: One of the many things about living in America right now that is bad...
0: <laughs> Alright, I'll see where this goes
1: it's not a big thing. It's not, you know, if, if I was making a list, it would be probably like down in like the thousands somewhere. Sure. You know, it wouldn't be very high, but, and I, I hesitate to say, to even say this because in like some highly unlikely chance that any of the people who I might mention in saying this, like would ever listen to the show, but following the various cast members of star of Star Trek on Twitter right now is not, I don't love it. Uh, there's a lot of, you, you know, I, I'm I'm very uh, progressive, I would say I'm very leftist, and the events of the last year or so have only, I've, I would say, like, kind of fully radicalized me, like, in that vein, and I truly think that, like, all these cast members that I might say, the cast members who, who have Twitter accounts, you know, I don't, I don't know if William Shatner does, he's, like, kind of, like, the one conservative Star Trek cast member. Uh, it's it, That's what it seems to me. but
0: Like, vocally so, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, but um, there's just a lot of either... Star Trek actors kind of, like, uh, talking about, like, current events as if they were Star Trek events, which has, like, a very, like, people who can only interpret the world via Harry Potter vibe to me. You know, like, whenever anyone talks about, like, how Trump... This is just, like, what Voldemort or the Death Eaters would do or whatever, <laughs> which which... That I find to be very bothersome. And then it's also just, like... I mean, would you, would you say that th- there are at least elements, if not, like, explicitly so, there are at least elements in which most of these Star Trek shows could be described as, like, having a relatively, like, socialist viewpoint?
0: Yeah, I think, at least in its conception, yeah. Like, we've talked about with money before, where, like, the ideal is kind of a future where we don't need to be competing for, like money or resources and we're all just like working together to
1: explore Mm -hmm. and we're recording this a week that kamala harris was picked as the vice presidential candidate and you know if you if you like her or don't like her that's not really what i i don't want to really litigate that on the show but it's just discouraging there certainly has been a kind of a left or progressive outcry against her selection to the idea that basically we're in a Kind of an unprecedented time in terms of a popular movement against the status quo of the criminal justice system in this country, and so some of those people are expressing some dismay that during that uh, time period, that you know Biden picked a a former uh, attorney general and and I believe a former like DA who had had some policies that one could argue were not uh, super progressive in that in that criminal justice mold, and. I think whether you like her or not, those are certainly things that you can and should like be considering, you know, and certainly, you know, Biden himself has also earned a lot of criticism along those those lines as well. And it's a bummer to me to just see people who were on, you know, what at times you could argue would be an explicitly socialist show kind of mocking and saying like, vote blue no matter who and stuff to progressives on, I don't know. There's something about it where I just don't, I don't want to know it. And again, I'm not saying that, like, you shouldn't vote for Biden. or.
0: Yeah, but, like, hoping for, like, striving for better, I feel, is a very Star Trek type of, of feeling.
1: Yeah, and, and it does seem that there's kind of this attitude among... I, I've seen this from, uh, in particular, uh, Marina Sirtis recently, and, and George Takei, of just kind of like, well, deal with it. Biden and Harris is good, actually, you just need to, like, eat your vegetables and... <laughs> I think there's a way to, like, talk about that stuff where it's like, I think you could say this in a way where it was like, I personally think it's important to kind of try to vote Trump out and then we can continue to push people on this stuff. But I understand why people might be upset about it. And I don't really want to tone police too much other than just to say that there's an area of, like, cognitive dissonance there that I just kind of don't love because I do like those characters and and I think that those characters would find – like the current political moment we're in, like pretty backwards, you know, uh, justifiably so. Yeah, and uh, it's just like a very small thing about living in in this country right now that I find to be like a little annoying, or, or you know, like Tim Russ, who who seems like a generally like a pretty cool dude, but like I, I've seen him post stuff about Trump that isn't true, even. And uh. again, like I I I'm not defending Trump anyway. He's Totally <laughs> There's totally plenty of true things that
0: you can say that you don't need to resort to. Yeah,
1: you don't. Yeah, you don't need to post like fake tweets of Trumps. And, and again, I, I, he probably wasn't even doing that with knowledge of forethought. But I'm, I don't know. I just like I just don't like to. You just you hate to see it. I guess is all I have to yeah, yeah. say about it. <laughs> burr, 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 burr. Welcome, everybody, to uh, Out of Contracts. It's a show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard.
0: And I'm Brady Jungle.
1: And we have a, in my opinion, wonderful, wonderful episode uh, to talk about this time. It is uh, we're continuing our, our just completely statistically unlikely uh, <laughs> foray in our random number generator. We are doing yet another Voyager episode. We're doing Season 2, Episode 18. It's called Death Death Wish. It is written by Michael Piller with a story by Sean Piller, who is his uh, son. And he, he was not part of the writing staff. He just had this idea. It was directed by James L. Conway. And the, uh, the Memory Alpha uh, summary of it is, A member of the Q Continuum comes aboard Voyager, seeking asylum so he can commit suicide. Q arrives on board to stop him, leaving Captain Janeway in a, to mediate a moral dilemma. So a little bit of background before we kind of go into the story of this, according to Memory Alpha, uh, this was kind of a long a discussion that had been going on, I think, since the inception of Voyager, which is, should we have Q on the show? How do we get Q on the show? How do we get Q on the show in a way where we can write him without him sending them back to Earth?
0: Oh, okay, yeah.
1: Well, how does it make sense for Q to be on the show? Like, Like, why would he be here other than that just... He comes to the ships of people who have shows, you know, um, <laughs> and it was Pillars, uh, Sean Pillars' idea, I believe, from what I was reading, to kind of that basically there's a different Q, and they need a Q who knows a lot about humans, and so he calls our Q, John Delancey, the the Q who debuts in uh, Next Generation, to come onto the ship and and be like a, a mediator because he knows a lot about humans. Um, so I would say kudos to Sean Peller because this episode is great. This, this might be maybe my favorite episode we've done for the podcast. I really, really loved this one really? a lot. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, did you like this episode?
0: I did. Yeah. No, this was a lot of fun. I think this is our, this is our first episode with Q. Yeah.
1: I believe that is, I believe that's correct. Yeah. So Q for people who don't know, um, Q is a kind of a classic original series style godlike being, but he actually debuted in the pilot for Next Generation. And he's kind of this weird, almost kind of like a, a Greek Gazoo or Mixius uh, type character who would just come on to the Enterprise sometimes to bother them.
0: Yeah, the he's very like mischievous. And because he is omnipotent, kind of doesn't really value... Human life, or like any of the things that humans value, but is intrigued by humans, and so will just sort of show up and cause trouble. Mostly, it seems like for his own entertainment.
1: Yeah, it feels like a lot of times he's trying to prove a point about the way that the Qs are better than humans. But at the same time, you can also kind of tell that he is he has like kind of this weird fascination with humans too, like that he, he kind of claims that they're not very good, but especially like after the, the first episode he's on, like he, he kind of is like, Hmm, I I am kind of curious about how they work. And, and clearly like he, even though he pretends to kind of be an antagonist to Picard, he clearly likes Picard and, uh, you know, tries to like imitate him in some ways, you know, he, he eventually kind of usually shows up wearing, starfleet clothing with like like the highest number of buttons you can have on your collar to show that he is a higher rank than everybody else but uh he's i would say i don't even really love like a ton of his episodes like as episodes like i don't think the pilot of tng is that great and there's certainly like some other episodes of of the show that he's on that like are not necessarily like great episodes but he's always, John Delancey, who plays him, is always, like, so, so good. He's, like, probably the like, best, like, recurring, like, guest star, you know, in the show. Maybe with the possible exception of Luxana Troy. Yeah, I was going to bring up, also great.
0: she also kind of steals every episode she's in. He, he is up there, though, yeah. Incredibly charismatic and entertaining.
1: But, yeah, like, I would say oftentimes, like, there's not necessarily, like, a great episode for, like, him to hanging his hat on you know for example you know if you've seen the the normal square like show image for our show Worf wearing an old-timey hat from like Nottingham days that is from a Q episode that's um I believe it's from an episode called Cupid because uh, most, most of his episodes not this one but most of his episodes are like some kind of pun with the word the letter Q in it uh-huh. Um, and that's an episode that, that Q is in, where he takes them all to like Nottingham Forest and like basically casts them all as like different characters in Robin Hood. And that's not really like actually like a great episode, but like the premise is very funny and Worf gets to say a line in it that is like maybe the hardest I've ever laughed at an episode of Star Trek, and yeah, he's just very good. And so it was such a delight to a get a Q episode. B, I didn't know it was a Q episode until I started watching it because it doesn't have a Q pun in it. And then C, like, this is a really, really great episode. This is, I would say, this is up there with the best Q episodes certainly, that I've ever seen. And I've now seen all of the Q episodes except for the other two Voyager ones because he's in, I think, like eight episodes or something of TNG. And then, and then he's in one episode of... DS9, which I've already seen in my free time, and then he's in three episodes of this, and so, but I'm getting close personally to having seen every Q episode, and I would say this, this one, and the one where he gets punished by the Q continuum and turns in, and gets turned into a human himself, which is kind of briefly mentioned in this episode. Those are probably my two favorite episodes with him in it. So,
0: yeah, it is. I will say so. There's three Q episodes in Voyager, and it, they do in a way that I think. Generally, they haven't done with Q before, but they tell kind of a an actual like story arc and actually character arc for like they're about Q as a character. I think more than generally, Q episodes are usually he's more of the like antagonist in a way, or like kind of the one that's causing the story that our, our crew is having to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. And these ones are like he actually. So in the next ones, we kind of see what the outcome of what happened in this episode was and, like, the implications of that, and then kind of things happen in that episode that then the next episode we see, like, the further how that plays out, which is an interesting. They kind of tell a story with Q in a really good way.
1: And that was actually something about this episode that I really liked, too, is that on the surface of it, it does not seem to be about Q. Like, it, it kind of, Q, as he usually is, is kind of a support character or he's a character that has like caused some sort of trouble that then the cast has to figure out but then yeah i think like kind of by the end of it you're kind of like oh this actually is about q and this kind of like goes into his psyche and his motivations in a way that most of his other episodes don't really and that was another thing that i really enjoyed Mm -hmm. about it so yeah we've been talking for a while so why don't you kind of start us out like kind of how this how this uh this episode goes
0: yeah, so so the episode starts out with Voyager is has encountered or is tracking this what looks like a comet traveling through space, and they can tell that there's some sort of energy reading or anomaly within the comet that they're they're trying to figure out, and so they decide to try to transport it onto the ship.
1: It actually the comet looks like the comet that is in the cold open of DS nine, I thought. Like it's the Oh, that like starts the the
0: like title sequence? Yeah, I, I was trying to remember if that was if it was DS Nine or or Voyager that it that like starts out with just a comet flying through space. But yeah, it does look exactly like that. Yeah, I wonder if they were in a hurry and just used the same like rendered clip that they already had
1: or something. Yeah, maybe.
0: <laughs> and so, so they transport a sample from this comet, and instead of getting like ice or rock or whatever, they just transport a port like this. Person appears that's like in a Starfleet uniform, and he introduces himself as like "Hello, I'm Q," but it's not the sort of the Q that we've always seen before. It's not John Delancey. It's another Q who is played by.
1: He is played by Garrett Graham. Yes. One thing that's like very funny about this too is that <laughs> is that uh, he he says that his name is Q, and then I believe uh, Taurus. Taurus tells Janeway that that someone named Q is there, and, <laughs> and Janeway freaks out and orders a red just alert. immediately
0: puts the ship on red alert, yeah.
1: Because she's heard about Q. Like She she just assumes that this must be the Q that harasses yeah. the Enterprise all the time, that like creates many, many problems. Yeah. Uh, but it's not him, although he does create some problems. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, he does. Um, and so he starts out, he kind of does very Q-like things and sort of jumps around the ship and... Creates things out of thin air. I think he takes them to, like, he offers to to take Janeway to dinner, and so they're, like, suddenly in the ship's cafeteria, and there's, like, a uh, spread laid out for them. Um, And Neelix gets a little jealous because that's his job on the ship.
1: Because he finds out that Janeway really likes a rabbit, and Neelix is, like, I don't know what. He feels very sad because he doesn't know what rabbit is, and so he doesn't know how to make it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, what we eventually find out kind of q stands up and gives this little speech and then we realize that uh, he and then he is trying to to commit suicide to kill himself to end his own existence and he does this little sort of gesture where he waves his hand to make q magic happen trying to destroy himself and instead just removes all of the other men from the ship which is a good thing that it happened on Voyager instead of like any other Star Trek yeah. show because then there would be <laughs> right. two characters left.
1: Yeah, uh, it would just if it happened after Enterprise, it would just be the Doctor and the count, the ship's counselor, right. who I think do both have command training. To be fair, so they, I'm sure they would. Do I think, one yeah, one,
0: I but, think they, I think it's does come up that they do, yeah. yeah.
1: Or yeah, if it was if it was on uh, the original series, it would just be <laughs> the nurse and, and yeah, and Nurse Jaffel.
0: <laughs> but yeah. And so this at at this point is when um, when John Delancey Q shows up and kind of is clearly very upset with with this other Q, and he John Delancey goes ahead and brings all the men back, and then what we find out is that the Q had imprisoned this uh, other Q to because he was threatening or trying to commit suicide, and so. They had imprisoned him in this comet for eternity.
1: Now this is an out of contracts moment here. Where uh, what is up when this other Q? So here's the question: Should we just start calling him Quinn because he he does take the yeah, name Quinn?
0: I, and that's that's what the memory alpha does too. I think for to remove.
1: Yeah, let's call him Quinn because he later on calls himself Quinn. So we aren't just talking about two different people named Q. So so when Quinn is kind of like running around the ship before he tries to kill himself. He does come up to, go up to Kes and basically says, "You only live for nine years." And what is that? What's up with that?
0: That I think that's just a like that's just her race. Like the Ocampa just have a very short lifespan, like naturally.
1: We have not learned about this. I have not learned about this prior. Like like the, the Ocampa are like a big part of the caretaker episode.
0: Yeah, I don't think they mentioned that in that one. I'm trying to think because it. I think it does because like after they leave. The caretaker like it, there's not like other ocampa throughout the delta quadrant there's like one other episode where they come across some but i think there are some like stories with Kess where that comes up at some point um but that is a like that's not specific to her that's just her her species have a very like abbreviated lifespan
1: did neelix know that when he like wanted to date her because wasn't that a thing like f- for a bit at the beginning of the show Yes,
0: yeah, they are together for a bit, and I I think he knows it. Again, I, I'm i trying to remember, but I think there is an episode sort of about that, where it's either, like, when he finds out, or, or like, they talk about it, and he kind of says a whole, like, well, you know, I'll just, you know, love her for, like, the time that we have together, or something like that, but.
1: Hmm. Okay, I'm just curious. But, yeah, it, I it think is.
0: that is previously established. I don't think this is the first time that's brought up. Um, but it does kind of play a role in in her story, uh, on and off.
1: Okay, just curious. That seems like a kind of a crazy amount of time, L- like just because even if you like matured to adulthood very quickly, like you wouldn't even be able to like learn that much. I feel like in that amount of time, like you did, because you know, yeah, it's just it's odd. But anyway, yeah. uh, that's a very small Although part of I'm this sure episode. But that, I
0: like Vulcans feel the same way about human lifespan. So
1: that's true. That's true. That's had a very small part of this episode, but yeah, I just I was just um, curious because uh, it popped up, and I had not, I had not been made aware of that in the show anyway, that before then. Yeah. Wait, so then isn't there another episode in the show where Kes like sees an alternate future of herself when she's a grandmother? Yes, there
0: is. Um, so she's,
1: so she's just like nine when she's, that happens. Yeah, I think like, she's
0: like nine at that point.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right.
0: <laughs> yeah, she she sees a, an alternate like season seven of the show. Right. <laughs> because she doesn't see the version where she's been replaced by Jerry Ryan.
1: Yeah, right.
0: So before Q can, like, imprison Quinn back in the comet, he essentially requests asylum from Voyager, which then sets up a a hearing that essentially there's a, a courtroom hearing where the Janeway is mediating, where both Q and Q will kind of present their cases and she will decide as a representative of the Federation will the Federation like grant him asylum or turn him back over to to the Q continuum to be punished however they see fit and the case that Q makes is that by wanting to like end his own existence that Quinn will be both kind of Shirking this this duty that they have as Q and also will cause this disruption and anarchy within the continuum because this is something that's never happened before and will like completely kind of disrupt this order that's within what they call the Q continuum and Quinn makes this case that they're immortal and have just become tired and there's nothing new to experience and. He just wants for it all to end, and that it's essentially this intolerable suffering for him to be forced to continue to exist. And it culminates when they actually take Janeway and Tuvok to a physical representation of the Q continuum, which is this like sort of truck stop on a road where everyone is just sitting and not doing anything and being very bored and tired, and... What Quinn says is that uh, there's nothing new, there's nothing, no progress or no, uh, there's nothing to talk about, there's nothing to do, and that they, like, they do need to be disrupted in some way and stirred up. Mm -hmm. So in the end, Janeway does decide to grant him asylum and allow him to join, to kind of become mortal and join uh, humanity. And, and it's interesting because, uh, you know, she tells him, I don't think you should commit suicide. I, you know, I'm against suicide, but you should have the freedom to make that choice and like tries to kind of makes this case to persuade him. Like now that you are mortal, you have a whole new range of things to experience and ways to look at life and see if there's some joy you can find in living and, he does decide to go ahead and end his own life, and and he dies. And then, what we see is that Q has kind of like been given a lot to think about based on all of this that has
1: happened. Right. Because, kind of to go back a little bit, Q is put in a different position of this in this one where it kind of seems like maybe this has been brewing for a long time, but maybe it's been since. Since he got kicked out, or something else had happened, but where he basically had been kind of like punished and like kind of brought in line by the continuum, and so he's kind of he's kind of the the man in this.
0: Yeah, yeah. Instead of being the like kind of mischief maker type, he's the one that's representing like law and order and authority. Yeah.
1: And Quinn is kind of like this philosopher and kind of like this kind of weirdo within the continuum who has done things. You find out like has helped uh, humans kind of hit on the theory of gravity and has, like, caused Woodstock to happen and stuff. Yeah. You know, which which are things that it seems like our, our Q might have done at some point. And he kind of says to Q, like, well, you know, actually, like, you were always such a weird goofball, and you kind of didn't always do what the Q wanted, and so I was inspired by you. And, yeah, you know, you think that what you were doing was wrong before, but actually, like... it. The, the Q continuum needs to be challenged because, you know, it is, everyone is set in their ways of this is the way things have always been. And and you are trying to control me because you are afraid of, like, uncertainty after, you know, millennia, and millennia of of certainty of, of knowing how things work. And that you need to think about, like, th- that you're kind of like part of the system now that you thought you were against. And, and so then at the end, the way that, that Quinn kills himself is that he takes a poison that, Q had the Q decided to help him get basically, because he he ends he ends up realizing that, you know actually, Quinn's like kind of like quest for autonomy and to like experience like newness, there is something like, heroic about that like because he wants to die not just because he's kind of like interminably bored with living which like I think, you know understandably so you know I'm I'm not like a pro uh, suicide person in general but I think. Like that is like one of those perils of immortality things. Yeah. If you really did live forever, like, would you? You know.
0: Yeah, it was interesting because I, I watched this right after I listened to. Um, have you seen the the new movie, the the Old Guard? I have not. No. Okay. Um, it's it's quite good. I, I I enjoyed it a lot. It's mm. it's a very good movie. Um, I would recommend it. But um, I was listening to a an episode of uh, Fresh Air, where. Uh, she was interviewing the director of that movie and, mm-hmm. and she talked about it because it, it is a, it's a movie that's about um, people who are immortal and, and one of the things the director talks about is kind of as she was sort of going through this story and, and turning it into a movie, she had this realization of, of what that really means that like, you know, you kind of think like, oh yeah, I would love to live forever that sounds great, and then when you really think about kind of everything that that means and the, like, that there is sort of a loss that comes with, like, if you don't have mortality, there's a loss of, like, the, the meaning of life. And, and they say in, in this episode, um, one of the things Quinn says is that kind of when the Q had advanced beyond mortality, part of the loss that came with that is they lost any sort of sense of purpose or desire for change or capacity for growth, because... There's just sort of this, like, everything will always be that, uh, that I thought was an interesting thing to, they really, I I feel like they really do cover a lot of, a lot of issues over the course of this episode. Like the, you know, about the kind of what the implications of immortality or what life would, would mean. Um,
1: Yeah. They, they kind of like, I think this is the reason why I liked it so much is that it is kind of like all the different kinds of uh, Star Trek that I like in one, in a way, Uh, because it's very philosophical in the stuff it's talking about with the Q Continuum, where it's like, you know, it's philosophical in the way that it's like kind of musing on immortality, because that's obviously not something that like we as humans are ever going to actually have to deal with, or at least not not any kind of conception that we're aware of of right now. It's not
0: super relevant, right?
1: Yeah. But then also, I think that it is kind of it does have stuff to say about euthanasia, you know, or like physician assisted suicide too. Yeah. In the way that it's you can kind of you can very easily kind of like transpose his suffering into the idea of an actual like physical suffering.
0: Yeah. Because they talk about how Tubak talks briefly about how Vulcans permit suicide or or euthanasia for cases of like extreme suffering.
1: Yeah. And so it's talking about that, which is like a very heavy topic. Yeah. And also, it's very funny. <laughs> it is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's the, the characters and their interactions are, are very, very entertaining.
1: Yeah. Like there's this there's this great sequence at the beginning when, when basically Q is trying to arrest Quinn and put him back in the comet. And Quinn keeps on moving the Enterprise other places so that Q can't find them. So first, he takes them back to the creation of to, – to like yeah. the – the Big Bang, basically, and then he, right. which
0: leads to a great line from from Bellana Torres, where she says, "Captain, this ship will not survive the formation of the cosmos."
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then and then he and then Q finds them there, and so he shrinks them down really small, uh, so they're like well, like microscopic, like or subatomic,
0: something. yeah, because they're like being the ship's being attacked by protons,
1: and which I thought was very funny because then Janeway, a former scientist, is immediately like, "Well, why don't you try?"
0: Yeah, they like positively charge the the shields or something to yeah to repel the protons.
1: Yeah, and and then and then Q turns them into a Christmas ornament, I think. Yeah, the, yep. And they're hanging on the Christmas tree, and then Q finds them there, and it's, like looking, staring. Like he's huge, and but he's staring. Did the viewport. part? It's it's really funny. Yeah. And then they do the thing where you know, like where they might have people from the past during the trial. Because well, that's, that's something else that's great about it too. Is it's like kind of a classic Star Trek. You know, trial. Yeah, a good Star
0: Trek trial is always great.
1: Yeah, and, and part of the trial, Q calls as witnesses. Well, first he calls he himself, calls himself. Uh, which is great.
0: Brilliantly played uh, by
1: John Delancey, yeah. But yeah, then he calls Isaac Newton and also like a sound technician at Woodstock and also Jonathan Frakes, Will Riker, right. to uh, show how uh, Quinn has influenced humanity and how basically, if Quinn wasn't around, then these things that are all positive things they yeah. would never have, have happened
0: and I do think that's a cool thing too because he does like really this whole range of of impact you know because he talks about how Newton wouldn't have like discovered that the basics of kind of the known system of physics wouldn't have happened and like Riker you know this like great ancestor of Riker would have died and then Riker would have never been born and essentially like all the great things that Riker did, including saving humanity from the Borg, and then this guy got to go to Woodstock, and like Woodstock got to happen, and like he met his wife, and like had a happy life, and just like the kind of personal for this guy's life, that was just as important as any of these other things. I thought was a really like really nice thing.
1: Yeah, also like funny too, because I think the idea is that what like that that guy. Because he got to Woodstock later than he was supposed to, he saw that there was like a like a, a plug that was unplugged or something yeah. like that. And So it was just like, oh, he plugged in the sound speaker. Yeah, like and if it weren't something.
0: for that, like Woodstock wouldn't have happened. Is the implication, which may be a little extreme, but
1: yeah, I believe that guy's name, the, the character's name is, I believe, Maury Ginsburg, which is also the actor's name. And so they, oh, just, really? Because unlike Isaac Newton, like that guy was not a real guy,
0: Ex- except that he was. <laughs>
1: Yes, but they were like, "Oh, your name is like That's a cool name. We'll just make you be that name." Yeah. Uh, this is, actually, this maybe this is a good time to say this. This is, you know, what we were talking about a few episodes ago about how, uh, Discovery kind of screwed the pooch by, mentioning Elon Musk among like their scientific, oh, yeah. geniuses. Um, so this is another one of those examples of like. I'm glad that like sliding doors, this is the universe we ended up with for this episode. So, according to Memory Alpha, the the pillars originally wanted to bring on more guest stars for this episode that ultimately appeared. According to Michael P- Pillar, these are people they wanted to have in the trial. Um, and this is actually kind of funny. This is like sort of related to my thing at the beginning about how I think sometimes the show is more progressive and liberal than the people who work on the show. Okay. Uh. uh so, the, the the quote is like we tried to get Michael Jordan but he wants to be hired as an actor not as himself so basically they wanted Michael Jordan to be Michael Jordan yeah yeah to it, be Michael Jordan you know just, I don't know so like, like I don't know what, what Quinn would have done to like help Michael Jordan out, but
0: he would have saved him from uh, space aliens right yeah that were stealing uh, his basketball powers
1: oh man that's <laughs> I almost want to talk about Space Jam now because Space Jam is great because it deports not to be Looney Tunes canon but to be
0: to be Michael Jordan canon
1: yeah, it's like Michael Jordan's life. Like it's like, it, the 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 movie starts out with uh, Michael Jordan basically his actual press conference, I think, where he announces that he's quitting basketball, and he mentions his his dad. I'm glad my dad got to see my last game because his dad was like brutally killed, you know, not very long after he won the championship. Yeah, and and then you know, which it really happened, and then and then it's like, oh, and the reason why he really did come back in real life is because of Looney too, right like that's that's insane but anyway uh so other people that they thought about getting for, that they wanted to get for the show were cal ripkin jr
0: so they're really going for for athletes there i guess
1: well yeah Ripken jr which like i feel like obviously like a very important baseball player you know he still holds the record for and probably will always hold the record for most consecutive games played you know hall of fame but like Not nearly like the level of like cultural impact that Michael Jordan had. I would say Uh, Frank Sinatra, which okay, sure, uh, like whatever. And then Bill Gates, which (laughs) if you're going to have a billionaire, I guess have it be Bill Gates because you know. Yeah, you can make the case that like,
0: like he's done lots of good charitable things.
1: Sure, I mean, like I think you could also make the case. Not enough, you sure. know, Because he still is per- one of the people yeah. in the world. Uh, and then the most bafflingly, Henry Kissinger, which would have been <laughs> terrible. <laughs> like, like,
0: the, like to have like an actor playing him or like the actual. Henry I think Kissinger. they
1: wanted the actual person, but like regardless, <laughs> a terrible man. Like, like uh, right. should be uh, tried at the Hague for war crimes. Like, like <laughs> what were they thinking? Like that, that's that's crazy. Like if it wasn't for Quinn, I wouldn't have been able to napalm all those kids. Like, right. what are you talking about? Like, that's insane <laughs> to me that they were like, yeah, Henry Kissinger. And it's like, yeah, he did win the Nobel Peace Prize. He should not have. Like, that's, right. I just thought that was so nuts. Uh, and like, that would have that would have aged way worse than the Elon Musk thing, I think. Yeah. To have Henry Kissinger on here. It's like, look at this guy. Yeah. <laughs> With great things in he's his done life. for history. Yeah. So anyway, I think I think ultimately, like... yeah.
0: I really like the touch of, like, just, like, some guy got to be happy. Yeah. Um, like, that that's just as important.
1: Yeah, that worked out pretty well for them, that, that, that <laughs> the other people they thought about getting didn't end up. Michael Jordan, I think that would have been kind of funny.
0: Yeah, um, I that, mean, that, that would have been, been, like, a okay, cool but... guest appearance that, like, people would have talked about and people would have tuned in to see.
1: Yeah. Um, but I'm I ultimately, I'm, I'm very, 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 very okay with Isaac Newton Riker and some guy. I right. think that actually worked out pretty well. <laughs> yeah, uh, but um, that all was great stuff. Um,
0: yeah, I also just thought it was it was interesting to me that you kind of expect it to be a weighty episode because you expect it to be mostly about suicide, but I what the real debate ends up being about it is really more like. I, I don't want to call it, like, social deviancy, but, like, the argument that Q is making is that, like, this is the order of things and you have to, as a member of this society, like, you have to live a certain way or who knows what will happen. Like, the result will be anarchy. And, yeah. and Quinn is Quinn's case is, like, you know, suicide is the thing that he wants to do, but more what the issue is is just of, like, doing something different than what the accepted norm is. Which is, I think, a, a really good thing for them to like explore and and bring up.
1: Yeah, and, and it's it's funny because in a way, this I think kind of ties into our last episode where I was kind of say, talking about how there is this kind of weird, be as productive as you can and like don't chase your bliss at all type of thing in that that TOS episode, and. I really like so there. There's a point of a point in this episode where I kind of I, one of my notes that I wrote was why is Q being so sexist? Because he
0: yeah, I, that that is the one thing I would say about this episode is like the Q being like sexist towards Janeway or like kind of flirting with Janeway just just really made me uncomfortable every time.
1: Well, it, it was uncomfortable, although it was it was funny when she rolled over and he was in her bed like. <laughs> wearing like a nightcap like that. Yeah. i did laugh at that when that happened but um, i mean
0: I, I i will say like janeway is terrific in this like i love just yeah janeway's yeah. interaction with q where like she is just not putting up with any of his nonsense ever <laughs> yeah um in like a very like even more than picard i feel like she just like was having none of it um, mm-hmm. which fits with like her like kind of her established characters that she's very no nonsense very business and yeah like there's a po- during the scene where they're like chasing each other through space and time you know one of the cues is like, I can do this forever and Janeway is just like, the hell you will yeah <laughs> like not on my <laughs> ship you're not
1: yeah um but like you know I wrote that down why is he being so sexist and then I don't know if this is intentional maybe it was, but I think that if if it's not intentional, I think it's certainly like a very happy coincidence that like this is happening for like this kind of new turn for Q. Like this is kind of a new way that he's acting, where he is, I, I you know, he's basically like is an agent of the state, you know, and he's trying to like enforce like these these norms, you know, like that. Where basically his argument is basically that you know, we don't know how it would affect the queue, but also, like, look at all the things that he could be doing instead. And so basically, like, that, it's, suicide is unacceptable to him, not, and to the queue, not because it's sad or not because you want someone's quality of life to be better. So, you know, for example, like, the reasons why you wouldn't, you would not want someone who, who, you know, has mental health issues to commit suicide would be that, you know, you you would like them to, you know, have a better quality of life than they have and realize that, like, there are,
0: yeah, kind of all these reasons to live.
1: Yeah, and and it's not because of that. It's just that like the only reason they don't want him to do it is because it's challenging social norms, and it's also it's not productive. You know, like that basically mm. like the the state wants him to stay alive because like he has more that he could give to the state, and I, you know even like there's a way that like that think that can explain his sexism where he's kind of like using the language of the establishment. You know, like he's kind of. You know the the patriarchy, like part of the reason why that exists is to keep more people in line. And uh, I don't know. I, I thought that was interesting that because I don't really remember him being this way to like the women on uh, on the Enterprise say. And like certainly, you know, he even like kind of hangs out with Vash for a while like as his like partner. Uh, yeah. And I don't really remember him doing that to her either. And so there is this thing too of maybe it is kind of like the signifier that he is kind of adopting. Like the language of the oppressor, kind of,
0: mm.
1: and then at the end, like he kind of like decides to to resist against that. Um Yeah, I really just that stuff really spoke to me as well. Like, and you know, I'm, I I certainly I want people to live and to be alive. Like, I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm not like saying that I'm I'm like pro suicide in general. You know, physician assisted suicide. It's not honestly something that I really haven't like invested, like, a ton of thought in. I, I, But I certainly, I think, have a lot of sympathy for, for people who will be going through, like, an incredible amount of pain. Like I, I feel like that, to me, I think, you know, my, my instinct would say, say that that's, like, has to be a personal decision because how much suffering you can bear, that's something, that's a decision that I feel like only you can make. And certainly I don't think that, like, this, you know, sassy dude can come in and, like, have a trial <laughs> they talk about this too don't they in the trial that that the the q kill people
0: yeah i think they someone says something about like the irony that they believe in capital punishment but don't allow like outlaw suicide right which which may be a little too deep of an episode to get into on the the last few minutes of this podcast, but
1: right, but but no, but, but I think like a good point though. Like I don't know, I just think like the show I feel like is like grappling with a lot of stuff while still kind of remaining not like light, but like having like a sense of humor to it, and and also I think solving the problem that they were talking about before of why because that's the thing is we've been talking about this for like an hour, right? <laughs> and there's so much stuff we haven't even talked about at all. Like there's you know the the idea that basically the Q kind of try to bribe Janeway into agreeing with them by saying "Well, we'll let you go home If you, we'll yeah. send you back to Earth and that's a good way I think to kind of because she ends up choosing for Quinn to become mortal that's a good way around like that problem although you also kind of wonder why couldn't Q just do it anyway
0: yeah if he ends up like having a change of heart
1: thing. yeah but it's, it's you know I, I I accept that that answer but they talk about that and then like we also haven't talked about you know other than just you very briefly mention it but like we haven't talked about the Q continuum, like, the physical representation of it at all, either. Like, I don't know. Were you just, like, struck by that? What did you think of, like, the Q's? Like, like what the Q continuum looks like?
0: Yeah, I found it... It is kind of weird, because so far... Like, before this, all we've seen of Q is... I don't think... Were there any other Q's in any of the, like, Next Generation episodes? Or is this the first time we've seen anybody other than John Delancey? Um, like the one where I'm trying to remember the one I'm getting, cause I'm getting one of them. I think I'm getting the one where he like becomes mortal confused with, uh, one of the later Voyager ones. Like, I don't remember if there's another, if there's like other Q in that one or not, but.
1: Well, so in, in the pilot of TNG encounter at Farpoint, are those like jellyfish things? Are those another representation of Q? I can't remember. No, Do you remember what I'm talking remember. about?
0: Very vaguely, yeah. It's been so long since I've seen Encounter at Farpoint.
1: There's a couple of these, like, jellyfish, like, kind of space creatures. Um, And, uh, yeah, I can't remember. I I feel like they're not actually Q. I think those are just, like, those are part of, like, a test that Q is, like, testing them Uh, about.
0: But, yeah, but I I feel like the, um, we've always actually seen, you know, he's making the case, like, there's nothing for the Q to do anymore, but we've always seen Q actually like doing things like he's running around hopping around in the galaxy messing with the enterprise um Mm -hmm. so it is kind of different to see that they're all just sitting motionlessly in like this place which I know is supposed to be like a it's a representation that for the like human mind to kind of interpret what's actually going on in a more cosmic sense
1: but Mm -hmm. Although, I, th- I think too like the, it's worth noting that, that they didn't like that Q was doing that. So like maybe that's maybe that's not what it looks like when Q's doing those things. Maybe it looks like he's, you know, there's there's a kind of this thing where in the background there's there's like a scarecrow that has a uh, like a Starfleet uniform on it and, Oh yeah. Um, maybe that's maybe
0: that's what the scarecrow is. Quinn
1: says like I've I've read the new and I've read the old like I've even been the scarecrow and then and the <laughs> He was like, we've all been the Scarecrow. <laughs> and like maybe, that's, maybe that's being the Scarecrow is, is uh, doing that interaction with uh, hey. humanity. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just, I thought that was so weirdly evocative, like in, in a way where kind of, you know, you're talking about how the Vulcan must, Vulcans must look at humans' lifespans and think about like how small, how short that's. Yeah. That
0: like space. how could you learn anything and only, you know.
1: Yeah. And, like, the things that we see in that, that station, you, you see someone who's, like, looking at a book that says old, so, like, all old things, which I assume are probably, what, like, pre-humanity, it seems, uh, is maybe, like, that that's the idea, because they said they were the new age. Mm-hmm. And then there's another person reading a magazine that says new, which is, all, like, all new things. And then there's, yeah, there's a scarecrow, and there's another person, like, playing a pinball machine with, like, planets and galaxies in it it kind of looks like
0: yeah like something from men in black or
1: yeah or like there's there's something like it reminds me of a schoolhouse rock episode with like a pinball machine uh a cosmic pinball machine where in in the one where you're learning to count by 12s where it's positing that there's like a an alien that has like 12 12 uh fingers fingers and toes Yeah. yeah i think there's also like something similar to that in an episode of magic school bus there's like a like a cos, like a huge like pinball machine, and like Probably. I think the idea is that like their their perception is so huge that like the universe to them interacting with it is like playing pinball on a
0: yeah, just kind of such a like trivial thing.
1: Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. I just like that scene also really spoke to me too because it really reminded me. A lot of this episode reminded me of the show. Uh, the Good Place. Have you, ever, have you ever seen The Good Place?
0: I haven't. I've heard it's very, very good, but I've never, never watched yeah, it.
1: Yeah, it's good. It's not like I think it kind of goes downhill towards the end, but like the first couple seasons in particular are really, really great. But there's this house that you kind of find eventually that is called like the In Between Place. It's basically like purgatory, and it's just like it's very similar to this, where it's kind of like this white house that's a, kind of like in like kind of a a scrubby desert place, like off by a road, and like. The person who lives there is just like super bored all the time, hmm. and it really reminded me of this a lot. And then, and it kind of like one of the things that that show ends up being about is the idea that I think you know some people might struggle with sometimes, even if you if you are like part of a religious faith that believes in like the afterlife, that like autonomous eternity in heaven sounds boring in a way. Like like you know like mm-hmm. not maybe not everyone feels that way, but I think. Certainly some people if you were honest with yourself I think for Christians the general idea generally is well you're in heaven forever and like it's not going to be boring because you get to praise God all the time and it would be great
0: right. and anybody that's ever been to church was just like
1: no that sounds boring yeah just like oh seriously so be in church forever like I've not gone to churches cuz like their church services are 2 hours you know right and if that's something you believe in you probably are like well it probably is better than church I just have to assume you know because like otherwise it wouldn't be heaven but like you know I think that's something that they grapple with in that show and it's very similar to this I really did think a lot about that show and almost like even wondering if some people who had who worked on that show had watched this like how similar some of the Mm, the imagery was um, in the continuum area to some of the stuff that pops up on that show but yeah I don't know I just found it so thoughtful I was like thinking about it the next day and Yeah, I just really, I think it's it's kind of like everything that I like Star Trek to be like all like wrapped up into one thing, and I don't think you usually, I don't think you usually get that. I think like usually like a good Star Trek episode has one or two things about it that you like about Star Trek, and then another episode has another thing, you know, and yeah, I just thought it was such a such a good episode. I really just, I I I mean, as you you know, I can't stop enthusing about it. I just really (laughs) liked it a lot. Yeah, um, I'm sure if I thought about it, I could have more things to say. But I, don't, I think I've, I've exhausted my notes, and we have been going on a while. So yeah, I mean, you know, again, I think we said this like a few episodes ago, but like Voyager, it's good. Don't let anyone tell you different. It's good. It's, it's yeah, good stuff. It is. And yeah, so actually, so you know, thank you everybody for listening to this. Uh, we'll be <laughs> yeah, back. That being said, yeah, we're we'll be back in two weeks, and. Our random number generator just cannot stop picking Voyager episodes. So our next uh, episode is actually going to be... Actually, now that I'm thinking about it.
0: Yeah, An it is. No, I, I just checked on this. It, so it is It's the episode right before this one.
1: Yeah. So this oh, that's weird. This was
0: season two, episode 18.
1: Yeah. So that, yeah, this is season two, episode 17 of Voyager. It's called Dreadnought. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so you can come back in two weeks and uh, listen to that. Uh, or or watch, watch the episode and then come listen to us. Uh, but yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at contracts, you can email us at outofcontracts at gmail.com, or you can uh, you can go to our website at uh, outofcontracts.podbean.com we are part of the Kaleidoscope Media Network of Podcasts, so if you want to listen to more shows that are kind of like this one, you can check out Here's Johnny, which is a horror media podcast. You can check out the science and pop culture podcast, That's Not How Science Works. Uh, you can, Or you can listen to uh, Wizard Studies, which is a podcast about Harry Potter. Um, so those are all, all good shows. You can check those out. And yeah, until until next time, we'll see you. Will you we'll have a good... <laughs> Uh, sorry, so yeah, we'll, we'll, see you a, we'll see you in a couple of weeks.
0: <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye.